let us begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for yet another moment, another time that you have made. It is my prayer tonight that you will be glorified through whatever I speak, whatever I say. It is my sincere prayer that, Lord, you would have your way tonight. In the name of Jesus, let your word go forth as fire to consume and to destroy every works of the adversary. Let your word go forth as a light that shines in darkness, revealing, O God, to your people the truth which is able to set them free. I pray, Father, that you would glorify your Holy Son, Jesus. And this is the glory that I seek. And that all who listen may know that he is the Messiah, the Savior, and he is the way to life, life everlasting. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week, by the grace of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the ever-blessed one, I dealt with the law and grace and the distinction between the two. <clears throat> From today I shall be dealing with the journey to the cross. I chose this particular theme for a reason. Sometime now the Lord has been dealing with me on this particular topic which I am beginning today and which will center on deliverance from curses, deliverance from the power of sin and from the power of Satan and death. And so from today we shall be dealing with the topic, the journey to the cross. Last week, if you listened to me, I made reference to the remedy for deliverance, um, the remedy for those who are oppressed of the devil and those who are under the power of sin and under curses. And so the topic would mainly center on this, the journey to the cross. Beloved, there is one main divine assignment which called for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God on earth. And this assignment was to restore man to his original place according to God's original purpose in creating the man and the woman, I mean Adam and Eve. What we are treating from today um, is like a journey. We are going to begin with the very beginning of things. The original plan of God for creating man. And then we will see how man 
fell short of this original purpose. And then we would come to understand the misery of man after the fall and the reason Jesus Christ came on earth. And so I want you to pay particular attention to this very topic and I pray that you would sit through till the very end of this series which I um, entitled The Journey to the Cross. Um, as I said that one major assignment brought Christ on earth. And that divine assignment was to restore man to his original place according to God's original purpose in creating the man and the woman. Now I want us to go right away to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And uh, for the sake of the those out there who um, really find it difficult to apprehend the King James Version because of its style of English, I would um, be using the New King James Version, which is um, very close to the King James. And so from the New King James Version, I read... Um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 Then God said Let us make man in our image according to our likeness Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This was the original purpose of God for man in the beginning. First, man was to be God's representative figure on earth. He was to bear a resemblance of the Godhead. Remember what God said. And remember the use of the pronoun. He says that, and God said, let us. The us makes reference to the Godhead, the Trinitarian God, the three-in-one God. God as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to understand and get the picture here that Adam was created to bear a resemblance of the Godhead. Or the Trinity, inwardly and outwardly. For the Lord God said that in our image and in our likeness. And so Adam was created to give a picture of how the invisible God looks like. Outwardly, in terms of his physical appearance. And inwardly, in terms of character. And so Adam was as spotless as the God who created him. And the image here 
of course, is for you to understand that man was created as a unique creature. Apart from man, all the human race. It is never said in the Bible that God said to an animal, let us create in our image. No animal was created in the image of God. Man is the only living creature who was created according to the image, the outward appearance, a picture of the form of God, and likeness, the character, the divine nature of God. And so man was created a perfect being, as spotless, as undefiled, as incorruptible, as the God who created him. Now, secondly, we notice something so profound in this particular chapter in Genesis. Now you see in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 that again God said, Let them have dominion over the fish. Notice this. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now look at this. God did not say, let him have dominion over all these, which would have suggested that Adam alone was too exercise this dominion. But God said, let them, it is not let him, but rather let them have dominion. Who are them in this regard? God made reference to Adam and his posterity or race. And so the pronouncement was not limited to Adam alone but to Adam and his unborn generation, or the Adam and his unborn race. God said, let them have dominion. Dominion over what? Over the three realms of the world. Now pay particular attention to this because it's very important for you and for all the Christian fraternity. See this. God gave to Adam this word to his race, his posterity. That they were to exercise dominion over the three main realms of the world. He says that over the things in the sea, over the things in the earth and the things on earth. These are the three main realms of the word. Which by revelation means the things 
under the earth, the things in the heavenly, and the things on earth. Now you would realize that Jesus, who is the last Adam, is spoken of as having dominion over the three realms. And it says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 to 10, as uh, St. Paul wrote and said, Wherefore God has highly, speaking of the Lord Jesus, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above all name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of the things in heaven, one, and the things on earth, two, and the things under the earth, three. That is his dominion over the three realms. Now going back to Genesis chapter 1. So Adam was created to exercise dominion over these three realms of the world. Adam was the representative of his race. And so the spoken word of God was not to him alone, but to his unborn generation. But in Genesis, we discover that Adam sinned with his wife Eve when they broke the first law and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, when they sinned, these, um, when they sinned, two things happened. First, they lost their heritage, the dominion given them by God over the three realms. Now, I pray God for understanding because you need, by the grace of God, to understand the very foundation of this just so you can really comprehend what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. And so, as I said, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they lost one, their heritage, that is the dominion given them by God over the three realms. Now go with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. And uh, I read. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now what Adam did was that when he disobeyed God, he sold out to the devil. That dominion which was his heritage, he lost it to the adversary who is the devil by a legal transaction. By legal transaction is to mean that that position wherein he was planted, he was placed as the man of authority. He lost it to Satan by transaction. Obeying the devil, he became a slave and a servant to the devil. 
Now, when you read the epistle of Romans, especially Romans chapter 6, you would understand that one becomes a servant to he whom he obeys. So you are a servant to the one that you obey. In that same regard, Adam obeying the voice of the old serpent became a slave and a serpent, um, a servant to the serpent or the devil. And uh, he lost that heritage, that dominion to the devil. He sold out to the devil. And so here in Luke chapter 4 verse 5, this is Satan tempting Jesus Christ, the last Adam. Now your focus should not be really centered on um, the Christ being tempted. That, that is not the aim, the central you know, aim of what I am treating, but I just want you to understand um, the foundation which I'm trying to build and why I am saying that Adam sold out to the devil. He lost that dominion. So this particular scripture would open your eyes, you know, to what I am saying. It would give to you a clearer understanding. So Luke chapter 4 verse 5 says, and this is Satan speaking to the Lord Jesus. And he says that, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, taking Jesus up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now notice that he does not say kingdom as in singular, but he says that kingdoms of the word, plural. So the devil takes the Lord Jesus on a higher mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the word in a moment. Then verse 6, he says that, and the devil said to him, all this authority, authority, which in other words means dominion, I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. So the question is, how was it delivered to the devil? How was it delivered to him? By that legal transaction between him and Adam, who was to be the man in authority. He lost that right the dominion to the devil and rather became a slave to the adversary. And so this is what Adam lost when he sinned against God. The first thing that happened when Adam sinned. Now the second thing is that when Adam sinned against God, he lost his divine nature, the very likeness of God. And I would want to explain this in detail. Now, man was created as a tripartite being. Now, the word tripartite means that man was created, um, he was made up of three compartments or elements. Man was created to have the spirit, the soul, and the flesh or the body. Now the spirit is the God consciousness. 
the part that fellowship and worship God, the part that relates with divinity, relates to spiritual things. You know, Jesus said, the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, the word spirit here is not making reference to the Holy Spirit, but rather the spirit of man. And so, the spirit is the God consciousness of man. And as I said, not the Holy Spirit. Don't confuse it with the Holy Spirit. The two are different. Man was created with a spirit. And that spirit is the seed, the seat of God conscious, as in God consciousness. And as I explain, um, his, the spirit, of course, intimate with God, fellowship with God, you know, consciousness to God, sensitive to God. Now, the soul, on the other hand, is the seat of self-consciousness. The soul is the part that thinks, that wants, that feels. You know, we normally call it the, the seat of affection, the seat of the intellect, emotion. You know, that is the personality of man. We, we, we normally would use the word self, self-centered. That, that is the soul. The soul is the, the part that makes decisions and choices. You know, and the last of it is the flesh. The flesh is the word consciousness. Because by the flesh of the body, we relate with the physical word. And so normally, um, we simplify it to mean that it is the, um, sorry, the word consciousness. That is, by the flesh, we are able to relate with the physical environment. You know, the, the material word to speak, so to speak. Now... God said to Adam, we want you to understand by the grace of God how man lost his divine nature when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So when God said to Adam that the very day he eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he shall surely die. Adam, in disobedience, ate and died that very moment. You know, some people will normally say that, but Adam did not die instantly. Because when you read, it does not say that the very moment Adam ate the fruit, he died instantly, physical death. And my answer to it is yes, in part. He didn't physically die at that very moment but he died spiritually what this means is that his god consciousness was cut off he lost the sensitivity to divine things 
You will notice that right after sinning, Adam and Eve hid from the presence of God. They were no longer conscious and sensitive to the presence of God which they had once enjoyed. Now they became um, the very opposite of God consciousness, you know, spiritual. You know, they lost that position of spirituality to becoming fleshly and soulish. Now these terms are very important because it would lead us in understanding what we call the the degeneration or in simple terms why all are sinners why we say that all are sinners there is none righteous no not one these terms are very important when you know the god consciousness of man was cut off man became fleshly and soulish now the word fleshly means that man became carnal he became earthly minded he became prone to sin you go to genesis chapter 6 verse 3 and the lord god said something that is very important after the fall of man you see in genesis chapter 3 in the days of noah um, that god said to all the human race he said that my spirit shall not strive with man forever genesis chapter 6 verse 3 for he is indeed flesh my spirit speaking of the spirit of god the holy spirit shall no longer strive with man because man have become fleshly become carnal earthly minded no longer heavenly minded no longer god conscious but rather conscious of the physical things conscious of materialism conscious of the word around him and the, the word soulish means that man became self-centered this is what i want this is what i think this is what i feel that is the um the part of man that is self-centered the soul the soulish man and then you know when in the bible the lord god um asked them i mean adam and eve who told them that they are naked you will notice that adam said something that that was his first response to to god and adam said to god that the woman you gave me gave the fruit of the three and i ate that is selfishness he put all the blame on the woman the very woman he had once called bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh in the advent of the fall adam says to god the woman you gave me as if god you know kind of by compulsion pushed the woman on him as if he never needed the woman you see and it, it gives the picture of how sin is when it enters into a life 
of destructive sin is. It turns love into selfishness and hatred. The very ones that you loved, the very moment sin takes hold, that love turns into hatred and selfishness. So Adam says something like, well, God, let me go, but punish the woman. That is what it looks like. And that is the, the nature of the soul, self-centered, always seeking for comfortability at the expense of others. So this is how man lost his divine nature. He died to God. He lost his God consciousness. He became fleshly. He became soulish. And as I said, the death that he died, that instant death, was the spiritual death. And this spiritual death, as we call it, was the beginning of man's misery, the beginning of curses, sickness, and physical death. Keep that in mind. It was this spiritual death which opened up for all the misery of man, the physical death, sicknesses, and curses, and all the the sorrow, all the misery that you can ever imagine. So um, this incident which occurred at the garden is where the term the fall of man is traced from. You know, Adam and Eve fell because they disobeyed the command of God. They broke the law of God, which demanded perfect obedience. The command God gave to Adam was the first law given to man. But man broke this law, and this brought in sin, which resulted in death, both spiritual and physical, as we have stated. And so I want you to keep in mind these three things, the three causes of man's misery, the law, sin, and the wages of sin, which is death. That is the climax of man's misery, death. So it is very essential to know that the first law was the cause of man's fall. As holy as it was, sin took advantage of that law and brought man down from grace to shame and degeneration, or what we call corruption. So um, one thing that I also want to suggest to you, um, is I want to tell you, is that this first law was also a type of the law under the old covenant. I see that law at the garden as a type of the law which was given through Moses to the people of Israel. 
And why? Because the first law and the law under the old covenant has the same feature, the same character, and you would understand what I mean. They both demanded perfect obedience. It was righteousness, holiness by works. All it said was, do this and you shall live. At the garden, God said to Adam that if he would continue in his favor, in his blessing, in his purity, accepted by God, and constant, unceasing communion fellowship with divinity, with God, he must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So all that the law said was, if you do this, if you continue in this, then alone shall you live. So on condition that you do, you will live. You would continue in the favor and the blessing of God. Now, Leviticus chapter 18 um, reveals the nature of the first law, the old covenant law. They, the two are the same. And so Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5, and um, I read, it says that, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Which if a man, so is a conditional statement. If a man does, then alone shall he live by them. It demanded perfect obedience. Do this and you shall live. Now the question is, do what? What, what is this law of works demanding? And this is where Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 comes in. Because this is the whole demand of the law. It says that you love God with all your hearts, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the first demand of the law. Love God with all your faculty, everything within, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your heart. That is the first requirement. And again, aside this is revealed as well that you love your neighbor as yourself. That is the second. And so all that the law is saying, requiring man is this. Love God with a perfect heart, with all your strength and your soul. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so that is the voice of the law. And which no man was able to fulfill. Now I say that 
a type is revealed at the Garden of Eden. Not even Adam who was created in his innocency. Adam was not able to obey the perfect obedience of the law, of that command. Nor was his race able to fulfill that. And that is why under the old covenant, no one was able to attain to the perfection which was under the old covenant. No one, not even Moses or Elijah or any of the patriarchs or prophets. For all are sinners and none is righteous. So that is the law which was um, hidden in the garden of Aden and which of course Adam transgressed with his wife Eve and then eventually fell from the glory from their um, position before God. Now you ought to understand that what happened to Adam and Eve at the garden it was not limited to them alone, the fall. Because Adam's fall had what is termed as um, a cataclysmic effect. When that word is normally used to mean that it had a severely destructive effect on the whole human race. All became corrupt because of the fall of Adam. And so it had that severely destructive effect on all the human race. And so we have broken God's law. We have therefore become victims of the curses of the law. The sin of Adam was imputed upon us. That is, we are sinners not because of actual sins or what is called outward sins, but we are sinners because of the original sin. Someone can argue and say that I don't drink, I don't fornicate, I don't do any of these actual sins. You know, the sins that are visible, they are conspicuous, they are outward. You know, we call them the um, common sins, you know, like fornication, adultery, drinking, and, and all these murder and all these, someone can argue on the basis of these actual sins. I don't do any of them. But what I want to say to you, beloved, is that we are sinners not because of what we do or are not doing. It is not because of the actual sins. But we are sinners by reason of original sin. Now, the original sin is the sin that is imputed upon us through Adam. So that we became sinners by the sin of Adam. Now I started by saying that Adam was created as the representative of all the human race. Meaning that whatever happened to him happened to directly or indirectly to the, his posterity. And so when Adam fell, if Adam had not fallen, you know, we of course would have had that same um, 
pronouncement, divine privilege and heritage, the dominion and the likeness of God, we would have also been created according to the likeness, the perfection, the spotlessness of the true God. But when Adam fell, we all fell. And so we are sinners, not because I am not drinking or that I am not fornicating, I am not stealing, but we are sinners because of the original sin, the sin of Adam, which is imputed upon all the human race. And so all are corrupt because of the sin of Adam. All are fleshly and soulish because of the first Adam by whom we have all become sinners. And that is what Romans was saying that for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And so we have the law, we have sin, we have death. These three are the causes of man's misery. And this is where the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, comes in. Justice is saying that we have broken the law of God. We have sinned. Therefore, we must pay the full weight of the penalty of sin, which is death and hell. Uh, Jesus came to restore the fallen man to his original place. That is to assume the likeness of God, the divine nature of God. And two, and to repossess that authority which was given to man in the beginning, according to God's original plan and purpose. So that is the restoration where Jesus Christ came to accomplish, to restore man to that original place. But in order for the Lord Jesus to do this, he must first take the place of the sinful, degenerate race, the fallen generation. What it means is he must become the representative of the fallen race so that whatsoever he does, it will be credited into the account of the fallen race. He must fulfill all righteousness, the righteousness which we could not fulfill, the fallen generation, the fallen race. What the law was demanding, to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and our neighbor as ourselves, which the standard which we could not fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill in our place the righteousness which was of the law, which is of the law. 
And two, to be made a sin on account of the fallen race. Three, to bear the curses of the law, the pronouncement of the law. That is, if we are not able to continue in that perfect obedience, curse is he who breaks the law. So the law pronounces curses upon all who break the law of God. And Jesus came to bear these curses again in place of the fallen race. And lastly, to suffer the wages of sin. The consummation of sin is death. That is the, the end, the full weight of sin, the climax of sin is death. Both the physical and the spiritual, which is the second death or what we call hell. You know, destruction, domination in hell. Jesus came to accomplish this as the means, the only means to restore the fallen race. Now, for the sake of time, I would want to end here so that next week, by the grace of God, I will proceed from here. The journey of Christ that led to the cross of Calvary and why the cross is the only means by which a man can be saved. The cross of Jesus. Apart from the cross, no object, material, no token, whatever a man can think of can save a man. Not even religion can save. And when I speak of religion, I mean that I, I, I make reference to the, the rituals, the sacraments, um, the ceremonies. You know, these cannot save and deliver a man. The only salvation and deliverance of man is on the cross of Calvary. And so next week, God willing, I will proceed from here. But Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness, to be made a sin, to bear the curses of the law, to suffer the penalty of sin, which is death. These four. And I just want you to keep in mind. Next week, God willing, I will proceed from here. God bless you so much for making time with me. Let us bow down our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for this profound spiritual truth which you have revealed. Indeed, flesh and blood have not revealed this. 
but your spirit. For the natural man understandeth not the things of the spirit, save the spirit that is in man. Even the spirit that is begotten by the Holy Ghost. The spirit that is made alive by the Holy Spirit. So I thank you that you have awakened our spirit man to understand these truths. And I pray that even to them that are listening, every one of them hearing this message would experience the glories of the cross, the power of your name, the power of the blood, the power of your resurrection. And I pray that next week, as you have begun with us, so continue on with us by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Are there some of you who may want to um, probably send a prayer request as most of you do? And so you can still call or send the, the request through my WhatsApp number. Or if there's anything bothering you, you can reach me on the line 0558 345 and lastly 0558 you can send your prayer request whatever it is that you want to share with me on that line and that I would by the grace of God attend to you so next week same hour from 7 to 8 p.m. I will be here to proceed with the word of God. The mercy and the grace of the living God, our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you and your house even from this very moment. Bye-bye. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing, we need mercy drops.